Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 15. The reason I'm saying praise the Lord for that song, you don't know what I'm preaching yet, but I know. Thank God for it. The cross. Mark chapter 15, beginning with verse 33. Wasn't that a wonderful song service? Amen. Choir, I want you to be ready to sing that special again because it was such a blessing, but I thought about the first three minutes tonight. Uh, I saw the first three minutes when Brother Reed was preaching down here in this wheelchair. He couldn't walk. He just uh, had been turned down to have his leg amputated uh, because of his heart condition. And he's sitting there, and he says about five or six times in the beginning of his message, God's good, God's good, God's good, God's good. I remember that. And then I watched the message again when I posted it, or Brother Cody posted it, or Brother Blaine Cody, somebody posted it, amen. Uh, I asked them to, and they did a good job. But uh, that, that came to my mind. Here's a preacher that have, has been through a lot, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually, because of some things that happened that really hurt him. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to forgive him. But uh, I want you to know this, is that God is good all the time. And that was a wonderful special. I, that's worth coming right there. We just went home right now, but you know we won't. Because uh, I'm preaching, amen. You know that's priority. But I, that was great, Brother Randy. The choir did great. I know you're off in number. Several people are on vacation, uh, hunting or what something. I don't know what they're doing. Amen. They might have went to the Georgia game and they got soaked in. I don't know what happened. But anyway, uh, Mark chapter 15, verse 33 through 41. Uh, I want to preach tonight uh, verses 42 through 47, Lord willing. Because I want to be preaching on the resurrection next Sunday morning because we're expecting a lot of people to come that are going to be lost. And so I want to try to get through chapter 15. If we don't, we won't. Tonight's message, I was going to title it, The Disciple That Came Out of the Closet. But then I started thinking, no, not in this day and age. You can't say that. Say amen right there. I mean, isn't that pathetic? And if you, and I don't know if you've noticed the agenda lately for Hollywood, but they're really pushing... This uh, LBGT of the of the uh, demonic nth degree, and I tell you what, it's terrible. It's terrible what they're trying to push on us. I think we're going to have to start uh, reading books and stop watching TV. Amen. Praise God. But um, I want to read you this letter. It says, "Dear Whitfield Baptist Church, thank you very much for the beautiful flower arrangement you sent to the funeral home for Tommy's mother, uh, Louise Grigsby. Your kindness and thoughtfulness." meant so much to us, sincerely, Tommy, Sherry, Bailey, and the whole Grisby family. During a time like this, we realize how much our friends and relatives really mean to us. Your expression of sympathy will always be remembered. I want to quote Miss Sherry. She didn't know I overheard her, but I did. In the funeral home, she said very convictingly, I don't know what a family does without a church family during times like these. You know something? I'll echo that. I don't know what anyone does without a church family when there's a death, when there's a tragedy, when there's heartache and heartbreak in your family. We need each other. And you know what I'm proud to say? Our church is together. Now, if anybody don't like me, don't tell me to after the service. I just got a, I just got a note, and, and, then, and then they left. I got a note, and I thought it was the faith promise offering. It said, Halloween is demonic, period. And then they just, don't hand me a note like that right before I preach. Good night. 
I'll preach against it, amen. But anyway, we're going to the cross, amen. But uh, I do appreciate this church. I appreciate uh, the way the Lord has blessed and uh, given us folks that love each other. And I see it all the time. If you'll hang around this place, you'll see love. And if you go through a tragedy, you'll feel love. You'll feel love. That's what it's all about, amen. I appreciate you so much as my church family. By the way, if I wasn't a member of this church, I'd join this morning. Okay, anyway. <laughs> some of y'all get real nervous. Okay, but anyway. And some of you hadn't smiled since Jesus came into your heart. You ought to try it. It's a blessing. Amen. It encouraged the preacher, but it don't encourage anybody else. All right, let's stay in all the Word of God, and I'll stop meddling, and I'll preach for about 20 minutes. Then I'll close about 20 more. Uh, look at verse 33. It says, And when the sixth hour was come... There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That's 12 o'clock. Jesus put the lights out. I'll tell you why. Four reasons why Jesus put the lights out. In just a minute. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Elome, Elome, lama sabastina, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elijah. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Now listen to this. Here's a miracle. And the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost. He said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Amen? You may be seated. Father, thank you for the death of the suffering servant pictured in Mark. Thank you, God, for the whole book of Mark. We've enjoyed preaching it for the last year so very much as we've been challenged to be a better servant leader of this church to be a better servant for you out knocking on doors and being with families that are hurting and ministering to the sick and ministering to the lonely and ministering to the lost God ministering to the hurting world with a caring church and I thank you for our church so Lord thank you for the cross what a beautiful song Miss Sarah sang what a beautiful song the choir sang. Lord, thank you for giving them those songs to encourage my heart uh, during this valley of losing a dear friend. And so, Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to realize you're sovereign, you're God, and you, you change not, and no matter what happens, you still love us, and you're still there. So, God, help us to look to the cross and look to the Savior's sacrifice there Encourage our hearts. If there's one loss, save them. One backslidden, grip their hearts. Get a hold of their hearts. Help them realize that they're sloshing through the blood of Jesus and they're ignoring all that's been done for them as they ought to be out proclaiming the gospel to a lost and dying world. Lord, please bless and use these words. Help me, Lord, to say exactly what you want me to say. Pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone loves the traditional Hollywood endings. 
I'm talking about the Hallmark movies that are decent, praise God, ladies. And the hero gets the girl and rides off into the sunset uh, to the adoring gaze of all the people around. And it's such a great ending. And most movies that uh, uh, you watch, you like those kind of endings. You don't like the, the tragic endings. But I want you to know, here's a person that deserved the title of hero more than any earthly hero. More than any earthly hero. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't, he didn't uh, uh, listen, he, he probably wasn't the leading man with good looks, but I believe that he had the beauty of holiness upon him. Isaiah 53, 2 said that he was not uh, 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 brilliant as far as physical attributes, but he did a heroic and selfless thing. He became poor that we might become rich. He became poor that we might become rich. He was poor in his birth in a stable outside an inn because there's no room. He was poor in his death. They had to bury a tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, that's who I'm going to preach about tonight, who was so courageous to ask for his body before the Sabbath began. <clears throat> and thank God he risked his life to give him a decent burial. But I want to tell you something, folks. The Lord Jesus Christ ought to be our hero. <clears throat> Amen. You talk about hero worship. Some of y'all worship um, ball players until they lose, and you soon forget them. We pay them a hundred thousand dollars, no, a hundred million dollars in ten years. I can't even fathom how much money that is. Can you imagine what we could do for missions for just a tithe off that? Somebody ought to win Okunya to Junior to the Lord and get him tithing. Amen. Or faith promise offerings. He can send it in the mail if he wants to. But, you know, we worship these guys because we pay uh, a lot of money to go see their games. Last night I was looking and I said, I sure feel sorry for those players. My word, the storm's coming out. I mean, it's raining and torrential rain. And then I <clears throat> looked, uh, they panned the stands and there was actually people at the game. I want to tell you this, friend, I get more complaints about the heat and the air in this place than any person in the world. I'm not the thermostat committee, but we want it just right. Amen? And then I said, we're going to go outside and sit in the grass. Some of y'all would say, not me, buddy. I ain't sitting. Nope. Mm -mm. You have your little church. We ain't having no tent meetings. We're, just, we're not going to be uncomfortable, but I guarantee if the dogs are playing, you red and black fans. I shouldn't have said that, amen. You uh, fans that love the dogs. Are you Tennessee fans? Y'all played good for a few minutes last night. It was a blessing. Amen. <laughs> Boy, it, it, 100,000 people in the stadium and it's rocking. They say that the upper deck of Neyland Stadium actually moves when people uh, get up and stomp. You know, that's when I'd be moving down to the ground level. So, amen. I, I don't care who's playing, praise God. I ain't going down with the team, amen. But what we do, we're, he, we're hero worshipers. We, we, we crown people as heroes because they win a ball game or they do something magnificent for us. But folks, Jesus came and left the splendor and glory of heaven and went to the cross. And the Bible says in John 1, 11, and he came with his own and his own received him not. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't like to be rejected by anyone. I don't like to be disrespected. I got, all, I got my feelings hurt just recently. Somebody's so disrespectful towards the pastor. I had to get over and I apologize 
uh, that I hadn't talked to you personally yet. But I want to tell you something, friend. I, I, I believe that a person ought to have respect that's proven themselves faithful. And I also believe that besides men having respect in the, in the office of pastoring, or, and that's why I respect these men like Brother Gary Lefford and Brother Dan Reed so very much. Because I, 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 I don't know what they went through, but I know I've heard the things they went through and the n- n- numerous surgeries they've endured, and they never, never shook their fist at God. They're just faithful. Faithful. Now, folks, you can just say whatever you want to, but that's my kind of hero. I sit on that front row, and I was, I was picturing him sitting in that wheelchair, and and it thrilled my heart that I could preach this morning standing up. Come on, say amen. Some of y'all taking for granted to stand up or walk. But Jesus was rejected by his own people. They wanted a political leader. Isn't that just like the world? They always think hopes in politics. And they wanted a king. And they wanted somebody to come and set them free from, from uh, the tyrancy of the Roman Empire. And he came as a humble servant. And as he announced that he was going to the cross, they all said, you're crazy. You're not going to go to the cross. You're our deliverer. You're our savior. And he says, no, I've got to go to the cross. And I want to show you just a few things about the cross in this passage that will thrill your heart. Number one, I want you to see the misery of his death. In verse 33 it says, and when the six hours come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That means 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock if I'm not mistaken. Amen. I hope everybody's here. And by the way, I meant to put the slide up before the service, Brother Cody, that we have hearing-assisted uh, earphones now. Matter of fact, somebody listened uh, Wednesday, and they came up to me afterwards and said, I sound like Jack Howells on those things. Amen? Praise God. I felt good about myself then. Amen? Praise God. But all kidding aside, get this message. The cross, um, Jesus had been on it about three hours. And about 12 o'clock, the Lord turned the lights off. I want to say this. If you don't believe God's powerful, He can turn the lights off anytime, any place He wants to. He can turn your lights off. By the way, He turned your lights on. He created you. Say amen right there, you monkey lovers. He created you. Hey, listen, we didn't evolve with some one-cell tapo that flipped over and became a uh, amiibo, amiibo tipped, flipped over and became a tadpole and the tadpole became a frog and the frog got so hairy he showed up in Grant Park and then broke out and became an executive at Shaw. That didn't happen. <coughs> if monkeys made men back then, why don't monkeys make men now? Amen? Come on. Can y'all, can y'all get in this message just a little? It'll encourage me. Nod your head and come back up. But folks, I want you to know he, he was on the cross for three hours in the light. And they railed upon him. And they sped on him. And they mocked him. His hands were driven through with these spikes. And approximately, it went through the medial nerves that would cause acute spasms of pain throughout the Lord's body. The muscles of his body would be cramping from the dehydration. And from being forced to remain in such an unnatural position for a long period of time. And in the light, the spasmodic body would be lacerating 
uh, and, and, and probably jerking from the scourging. And he was, and the raging thirst was probably gripping our Lord. That's why he cried out, I thirst. I want you to try to imagine the agony for a moment that he endured on that day in those three hours. But at the twelfth hour, God did something miraculous. He turned out the lights. I'll give you four reasons this morning why I believe that Jesus, after being laughed at, mocked, stared at, hung in nakedness, shamed on the cross, endured this holy, sinful humanity, the reason is he loved you and he loves me. He was dying for your sin debt. And I want you to know, friend, that what caused the darkness is I believe that the God said that's enough. You've mocked him long enough. You laughed at him long enough. You tried to crown him as your king long enough. You, you've hit him. You've sped upon him. You've scourged him beyond recognition. Now it's enough. Darkness fell on the earth. But I believe a second reason that darkness fell on the earth in this 12, 12 o'clock hour. It says in the sixth hour, verse 33, come there with darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, three hours. I believe it was fulfillment of prophecy. Turning your Bibles to Amos chapter 8, verse 9. Amos chapter 8, verse 9. You say, where in the world is Amos? It's right before Obadiah. Come on. Then Zechariah. And then Malachi. So just go to Malachi and flip backwards, amen. You'll find it. And Amos chapter 8, verse 9. I love prophecy, don't you? You know why I believe the book? I preached on this at YDC Tuesday night. I said, I'm not just preaching my opinion. I'm preaching the infallible word of God. Listen up. And thank God three young people got saved. And I was only preaching to five. So it was a, a vast majority of the congregation got saved. I'm thrilled. The Bible says in Amos chapter 8, verse 9, it says, And it shall come to pass in the day, saith the Lord God, that I'll cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. The darkness was not some eclipse. There was a full moon right before the Sabbath. And even if it would have been an eclipse, there would have been a moon, uh, the moon reflecting the light. Folks, it was a supernatural darkness. And I want to go to the real reason that I believe that uh, the third reason that um, God allowed darkness to come upon the earth. Folks, darkness always associated with judgment. In Exodus chapter 10, uh, the Bible says in verse 21 through 23, if you'll turn with me there, Genesis, Exodus. The Bible says that uh, darkness came on the earth during this time where the children of Israel was being liberated and there was plagues on the earth. Uh, there was uh, excruciating death and frogs and lice and, and the death of the, uh, the firstborn of the, uh, the, uh, the heathen where the blood was not put on the lintel. That's a forecast of Calvary, by the way. Amen. But look at Exodus chapter 10. I wasn't going to read this, but we're going to take our time. Verse 21 through 23, the Bible says, The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand towards heaven, and that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which shall be felt. I believe it's the same kind of darkness at Calvary. It was felt. You ever been in a dark room so dark 
that you tripped over the ottoman. <laughs> Amen. And you say, who put it there? Listen, darkness fell on the earth. Look at verse 22. And Moses stretched forth his, his hand towards heaven, and there was a thick darkness in the land of Egypt three days. Look at verse 23. You with me? Exodus 10. It says, and, and they saw not one another, neither rose any from the place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Amen. Folks, in the midst of darkness, we can have light. But I want to tell you something, friend. God sent the darkness upon the land of Egypt as a sign of coming judgment. The Egyptian worshipped the god named Ra, R-A. He was the sun god. And God was saying, I'm extinguishing his power right now. I'm making a point to you, heathen Egyptians. There is no God but the living God. There is no God that can uh, hang the sun up in the sky and, and uh, cause you to have a breath and, and have life. He's God. He's God. But I want to tell you something. Calvary was the greatest altar that was ever erected. It was the greatest sacrifice that was ever given. Jesus Christ gave himself for your sin debt. Jesus took your hell. And in the darkness of that day, he's saying, he was saying, hey, listen, you've laughed long enough. You've mocked long enough. But now judgment's coming. And judgment's coming for every person's sin on this earth. I believe the third reason was, folks, that sin is always pictured by darkness. The lost are held captive in the darkness of sin. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. I know I'm showing you a lot of scripture, but isn't that what we're here for? I give you a lot of illustrations, but I don't believe it's as powerful as scripture. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says this. For ye were sometimes darkness. Now you're the light in the, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That's why I don't think you ought to associate with the dark things of this world. Amen. My wife will not let me watch horror pictures. Those spooky ones. You know, those Friday the 13th stuff. You know, with, with those claws and those knives and, you know, cutting people's heads off. She, she, if I ever even glance at that, she just, she rebukes me. I ought to be more spiritual than not like those things. Amen. And, but yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the month we're in. Amen. Everybody's head's getting cut off. Uh, the flesh eaters are coming out of the grave. and uh, That's dark. Witchcraft. By the way, more people come out of the closet on Halloween than any other time. I shouldn't have got that little note. But anyway, I'm telling you, it's marvelous light that we walk in. We ought to be children of light. Folks, what ought to make us happy? is being with God's people in the light of His love, in the warmth of His fellowship. Folks, the Bible says, I want you to understand this, when He cried out this terrible cry during the three hours, He was saying, hey, listen, it is finished, but He was not, he was not saying, I'm finished. He said, the payment's finished. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, He that hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Folks, the darkness was symbolic. The darkness was also a great shield to, to, for the people not to see what Jesus was going through. He was bearing your sin debt. Folks, all the demons of hell. Read Psalms 22 if you want to find out what went on between 12 and 3 
on Calvary's day. Read those verses and you'll see what he went through. He suffered your hell. He suffered your sin debt. Folks, the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Let me just quote it to you or read it to you. It says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness and by whose stripes we are healed. Charismatic that has nothing to do with physical healing, but it has everything to do with spiritual healing. We're healed. We're delivered. We're set free. Folks, I consider this. Every lie was laid on him. Every murder was laid on him. Every act of revenge, every, every aborted baby was laid on him. Every word of blasphemy, every evil deed committed and all those things were ever redeemed by his blood was placed on him. I want you to think about this. Every rape, every molestation, every injustice, every evil thought, every evil deed that was ever going to be committed, he redeemed. Those that will trust that that day all sins were laid on him. That's dark. God treated Jesus as if he was a murderer. God treated Jesus as if he was a rapist. God treated Jesus as if he was a whoremonger, a blasphemer. In a moment of time, Jesus suffered the greatest agony of hell itself. He suffered, he suffered next verse, separation from God. Sin separates you from God. Folks, sin should be exceedingly sinful. Not just dark, it ought to be exceedingly hurtful and you ought to abstain from even the presence of evil, the Bible says. Why? Because your sin and my sin put him on the cross. And on those dark hours, the greatest pain of hell will not be the fire or the thirst or the gnashing of teeth. It'll be the agony of being separated from God forever. I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. I'll try to start closing because it's the midnight hour. It's the noon hour. Some of you got something to do. But don't rush out of here. Don't turn me off. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obeyed not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what it's saying. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power? The old song that used to be sung, Jesus will outshine them all. And Jesus will be what makes heaven for me. Well, I'm going to tell you something what will make hell for you. Never being with Jesus. Never being with God. Dark, dark place called hell. You know why you can go to heaven? A place of light. A place of comfort. A place of joy. Had a lot of funerals lately. I want to tell you something, friend. They're worship services. Because we're not worshiping the person in the casket, as I said Wednesday night. We're worshiping the one that they're not in the casket, but they're in heaven if they're saved. We're worshiping the God of life. 
We're celebrating his life. But folks, we ought to appreciate his death. I'm talking about the cross. There was a legend that Elijah would come and every righteous Jew would be aided by Elijah. And what's such a shame is here they are running to him saying, wait a minute, he's calling for Elijah. The prophet's coming. I'm going to tell you something, friend. He didn't need a prophet. He is the prophet. He is the priest. He is the king. There's nobody like him. He is precious. And all that thrills my soul is Jesus. He said it is finished. The word is teletasia, which means a deal has been struck and the parties are satisfied. When Jesus went to the cross, <clears throat> he went to satisfy God. That's where we get the long word propitiation in 1 John chapter 2. That means the satisfying of God's just, justice. For the wage of sin is death, Romans 6, 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, somebody had to die or God's not just. God's not truthful. He said the wage of sin is death. Or if the wage of sin is death, that means all of us ought to go to hell. But for the grace of God and the mercy of God, Jesus took our place. He satisfied the justice of God. Oh, friend, I want you to see, I want you to see that misery. But that misery was worth it. And I'll just say this. If you do not trust the Lord as your Savior, you're going to be most miserable. For the rest of your life, you're going to be miserable because you're not going to be fulfilled by the things of this world. Say amen. I believe in having fun. I believe in alternatives, Halloween, all this stuff. I'm not preaching against that. I'm not even preaching against going to a football game if you don't interrupt with the church. Amen. Or you stay up so late that you sleep through my message. Or God's message, ain't my message. But I'll say this, friend. You'll never be satisfied until you take the one that satisfied God's justice. Amen. Jesus Christ. He paid your sin debt. You got to get this now. He was your divine substitute. And thank God, friend, some miracles took place right after he died. I got I to I gotta bring these two miracles out. Number one, the earth did quake and rocks rent and graves were opened and many bodies of the saints that slept arose. Matthew 27, 30, 51 through 53. But I believe the greatest miracle of all is found in our text, verse 38. Look at it, Mark 15, 38. You got, you got 10 more minutes. The Bible says in verse 38, look at it. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The veil in the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Now if you know anything about the temple, know anything about the tabernacle there's a veil to the holy place there's also a veil for the uh, to the holy place but there's a veil to the holies of holies that's the inner court and folks according to the law only the high priest could go behind that veil and he could only go there one day each year and God promised Israel that he would uh, dwell between the two seraphims two angels that stood over the mercy seat and he promised that he would meet with his people there and on the day of atonement once a year, the high priest was to take the blood of the Lamb and enter the holies of holies. And he was to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, which rested on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, making atonement for the sins of the people. Now, to enter the holies of holies at any other time without the blood was death. 
they would drop dead going into that holy place. And I want you to know, friend, the veil was opened by the priest on the holy place, but the holies of holies was a veil that they said would take two horses, a team of horses, to tear it apart. It was a huge, thick veil because of being such a holy place of sacrifice. And folks, when that priest on that day of atonement opened that first curtain, that first veil, to their amazement and to his amazement, I bet he almost dropped dead of a heart attack, the veil began to start ripping from the top to the bottom. One of the greatest miracles that happened after he said it is finished and gave up the ghost and died for your sins was that the veil was rent from the top to the bottom. What was that signaling? Well, number one, it was signaled the Jewish sacrificial system was over. Amen. We don't live in law keeping. We don't live in temple ordinances. The Lord's Supper does not save you. Baptism does not save you. That's symbols. That's to remember. Praise God, that's an act of worship. It doesn't save you. Some people believe actually the bread turns into his body and you take it and you become a Christian. How ridiculous. Some people believe that they're still priests and that you've got to go through that priest to have your sins forgiven. Some people believe there's a place that you've got to go to a confessional booth and you've got to confess your sins there and, of course, give some money and penance and do this and do five Hail Marys and et cetera, and then you're saved there. But I want to tell you something, friend. God Almighty made a statement on that day that Jesus is the only way. That Jesus has become our high priest. He's our king. He is precious, Brother Randy. Thank you for that song. He is precious. There's nobody like him. There's no religious facade like him. There's no other way like him. Folks, because the veil rent, it's saying one thing. We have access. We have access. Because he died on the cross, he was saying, you don't come to me through religious ordinances, and you definitely don't come through men. You come through me and my blood and my cross. Now, in closing, I'm going to read three passages of Scripture to the board. You've already, you've already turned me off. Uh, turn up your hearing. Hear Hey, listen, tune in, get your Bible out, and I want you to see these beautiful verses out of Hebrews that will touch your heart. It's not fancy, it's not thrilling, but it ought to be with the message. Let me go to Hebrews 6, 19. Hebrews 6, 19. Please, hurry, get to it. You're in a hurry, so listen hurriedly. Amen? You got to eat. Praise God, we can all fast one meal. Amen? Got one amen out of that, praise God. I knew in a Baptist crowd we weren't going to have too many of those. But I want you to look at 619, please, real quick. It says, which hope we have as an anchor of soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. What? 
whether the forerunner is for us, entered in even Jesus, made after the high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Friend, what's that saying? Jesus is the way. Go to Hebrews 9, please, verse 3 through 12. Hebrews 9, verse 3 through 12. I heard a preacher one time apologizing his preaching for reading too much scripture. I'm not going to do that. Look at Hebrews 9, 3 through 12, real quick. And after the second veil, remember that's that inner veil. That's that around the holies of holies, not the outer veil. That's the holy place where you got the ark, of the, you got the showbread, and you got the candles and all the stuff that points to Jesus. But look at this. After the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holies of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid upon with gold, wherein was the golden, uh, golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that was budded in the table of the covenant. And over it was seraphims, that's angels, uh, of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. And when these things were thus ordained, the priest went out of his way to the first tabernacle accomplished the service of God. He's out in the, out in the outer court. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. And the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holies of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. And listen to verse 9, which was a figure for the time when present and which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertained to the conscience. Listen to this now, verse 10. Oh, get this. Which stood only in the meats and drinks and divers, washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of redemption. And then look at the divine conjunction in verse 11. You with me? Teenagers, you're looking at your Bible? Come on. You got your Bible? Look at this, verse 11. But Christ, being, being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having attained eternal redemption for us. I want you to turn to Hebrews 10. I want you to turn to Hebrews 10, verse 19 through 23. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. Y'all getting something out of this? Look at verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holies. How do we enter into the presence of God? How do we have our sins forgiven? It says, the boldness to enter into the holies by the blood of Jesus. Anything less than that low rates God. You wonder why I preach against religion that's a heresy? That's why. Look at verse 20. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Listen to this now. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. I'm too loud for some of you. Turn her down then. But look at verse 20, 24. Let us consider one another to provoke and to love 
and a good work. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. God rent the veil. What was he saying? I am the veil. I am the way. I am your high priest. I am your access to God. I'm, there is no other mediator between us and God. Say amen, Mary. There is no other mediator. Say amen, preacher. Say amen, potentate. Say amen, false priest. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Only Jesus, only Jesus should be worshipped. And only Jesus should be admired. And only Jesus should have the loyalty in our life. Because he paid the way. And he paved the way straight to the throne of God. And there's only one way to heaven. There's only one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And his name is Jesus. Two more verses. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I got in trouble last week. The whole children's church griped at me for dismissing early, so you blame them. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to preach a while. Amen. They said, what are you dismissing so early for? I said, because I was finished. But anyway, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Now, we will go. Because I know you can't give the whole bale of hay to a cow at one time and kill them. That was not a good illustration. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 through 14. Whew. I'm getting excited. And now in Christ Jesus, ye were sometimes afar off, or made nigh by the what? The blood of Christ. That's why you shouldn't walk out of this auditorium. You might miss something. You miss that phrase right there, you miss the whole message. The blood of Christ. Look at verse, uh, where are we at? Verse 14. For he is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. He's broken the wall down. He's rent the veil. We don't come through sacrifice keeping. We don't come through ordinances. We don't come through religion. We come through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him. Thank God, friend. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It didn't say anything about coming to religion. It didn't say anything about coming to some man that thinks he's holy, wearing some long robe, going through the motions. Molesting altar boys. Let's just get honest. Putting on mandates on people that's not in the Bible, like not getting married. I'm going to tell you something, friend. All that's religion. And religion will not make you anything but miserable and give you a false hope and you'll think you're going to heaven when you're not going to heaven. We must get saved by the grace of God. Be born again by the grace of God. And we must believe that when Calvary took place, the Lamb of God is our miracle. Even the hard-hearted centurion said, it's in many, 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 many 
crucifixions. He said, truly, this man is the Son of God. You know what? The old boy standing in darkness in the middle of the day. <laughs> Amen. Hey, he looks at Jesus and he hears him cry with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. And folks, most people that go through the cru crucifixion, I wish you wouldn't walk out on me. The crucifixion. The crucifixion, they're so weak, they can't breathe, they can't live. But I want to tell you something, no man took Jesus' life. He gave his life for Jesus. I'm out of breath preaching about it. But I want to say this, and I'll close. I get hung up on Calvary's. I don't apologize for it. But I believe that old centurion, that old hard-hearted soldier, is what really convinced him. He's beat to a pulp. He's jeered and railed upon mocked. And he hears the precious words from our Savior's lips. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He could have called one angel, Brother Howard, one angel. But he said, Father, forgive them. And I believe, friend, you look to Calvary, you see the greatest love displayed to unkind and depraved humanity that's ever been demonstrated. Father, forgive them. And I believe that old centurion got saved. I don't believe he went down and joined the synagogue, do y'all? I don't believe he looked up the local high priest or under priest or whoever they are, cardinals or whatever they are. I believe he looked to Calvary and said, truly, <laughs> he's the son of God and I'm truly never going to be the same man I don't believe he came back to his job I believe he walked another road I believe he was born again that day what's a cross do to you more than a beautiful old trinket that you wear ladies I'm not against that please wear your crosses but it's much more than that it's a symbol it's an execution chair that Jesus took all your hell for you to have all of his heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this message. I am so thankful that you took my place. You took my hell. So I'm not going to forsake assembling ourselves together in my profession of faith. I'm going to come here grateful for Calvary. I'm going to come here to provoke others to love and not provoke them to man worship. I'm going to come, come here, Lord, to provoke, promote you, lift you, and promote worship in you because, Lord, you are precious to me because of Calvary. Thank you for your blood and thank you for taking my hell and my judgment in those three hours of darkness. Lord, please save someone this morning. Lord, help us all to carry our cross and get out of the crowd of apathy. With every head bowed, every eye closed.